It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot, and this is the Hey, Mary Kay Cabot edition. Hey, Mary Kay edition. That would be wordy. Everybody had to write Hey, Mary Kay Cabot every time. The Hey, Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We got a bunch of questions from our Football Insider subscribers the day after another disappointing Browns loss, 23-20 at the hands of the Ravens. They are now 2-5 and five on the season. Uh, let's start here. Because there is a part of this season that is kind of playing the waiting game as the Browns are trying to get to week 12 when Deshaun Watson returns. And, um, you know, no matter where they are in week 12, Deshaun's going to be their quarterback for what they believe will be a long time after that. So Brian from Mini says, hey, Mary Kay, the Browns made an investment of over $200 million plus a ton of draft capital into Deshaun Watson. What Brian has wondered from the get-go, is this coaching staff really the right staff to recoup that investment? The more time goes by, the less confidence he has, not even just wins and losses, but also the scheme. Well, it's a great, great question. And it's hard to keep the faith in a coaching staff when this Browns football team has just lost four straight games and we've seen blown coverages, we've seen missed tackles, We've seen bad special teams play just week after week, just gaffes on special teams. So it is hard to keep the faith uh, in this coaching staff. I understand uh, where you're coming from, but I also think that excellent elite quarterback play covers up a whole lot of ills. If you have a quarterback that can go down and win the game in the final two minutes of a game or the final three minutes of the game, which is where the Browns have really struggled, then uh, you know, you can you can hide some shoddy defense. You can hide the occasional 46-yard punt return or the muffed punt because you can make up for it. You can come back from those kinds of things. Uh, so I, I do think that this coaching staff uh, needs to kind of tie a knot at the end of their rope and hang on until Deshaun comes back. And then everybody, you know, let's all see what the Cleveland Browns are all about when they have uh, an elite quarterback when they've got their version of Josh Allen or they've got their version of Justin Herbert. So uh, it's way too early to even think about giving up on, on the coaching staff until you give them a chance to work with Deshaun Watson. Now the corollary to that is, can they handle a Deshaun Watson? Can they put 
in place the schemes for Deshaun Watson. I think they can. I don't think necessarily, uh, you know, if they don't have what they need heading into it, or if they didn't, then I think they've sought it out. I think they've talked to, you know, his college coaches. They probably talked to Dabo Sweeney. Uh, you know, the, they probably talked to Bill O'Brien and other other people that have coached uh, Deshaun. So I think that uh, I think they will be ready. I think they will be prepared for that moment. And let's see what you got. I yeah. I mean, I think what what everyone's learning it kind of in this process is it's really hard to play the waiting game and lose in the NFL. Like everybody knows that that that's kind of what this team is doing, but now it's starting to feel more and more like this is just going to be, even with Deshaun coming in the last six games, this is going to be a lost season and it's going to be all about 2023. And I think that frustration builds not just in the fan base, but it builds within the team too. It builds within that building. And we know that, you know, these owners are not exactly in a bubble. They they hear public opinion. Sometimes they get swayed by public opinion. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to do anything rash because everyone is waiting for Deshaun. But, you know, I, I just think it's so much easier to kind of play this waiting game when you're at least treading water. And things are just so bad right now. It just wears it just wears everybody down. Yeah. Even if they had one more victory right now, I think that the whole vibe and feel would be different because I think we all felt that they really needed to hand over about five victories to Deshaun Watson uh, in those first 11 games at the minimum uh, to give him an opportunity to go out there and try to get this team to the playoffs. Now, who knows? Maybe he'll come back strong and hit the ground running and be ready to go and they'll win their final six games. You never know. You never know. And maybe who knows? Maybe three victories plus those six victories will be enough to do it. Maybe by then there'll be some major injuries or something in the AFC North and it will, you'll only need nine victories to win the division or something. I mean, so much can still happen. The season is still young. It's the season on the, on the brink right now. I think we can all agree on that, but they just have to, like Joel Batonio said today, they've got to try to go out and get a victory and, and go from there because uh, they're very, very lucky that for the most part, the Ravens and the Bengals have allowed them to hang around still. So, I mean, if you go out and and you beat the Bengals on Monday night, you find yourself two and one in the division and one game back of, of the Bengals. So that is not going to be the worst place in the world to be. These are double games. They're vitally important. And you can claw and scratch your way back into this thing if you can start to win some football games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the bad news, though, for the Browns is the Bengals are the Bengals are have found themselves They're They started 0-2. They've won four out of five now. And these last two games, they've sort of gone to this spread offense where they've got Burrow and the shotgun almost the whole time. And they're starting to they're starting to heat things up a little bit. And they've got after they play the Browns, they've got Carolina. They've got the bye week. They've got Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Those are all winnable games before they have to go play Kansas City. They could if they come to Cleveland and win this game, really kind of start to run away with this thing if if they kind of continue on this trend. Yeah, I mean, they could. They really could. 
Uh, and that is why it is such a vitally important game. I think it's important to get Denzel Ward back this game if they possibly can. He's in the concussion protocol and no one has any control over that, but at least they have another day to get him back. Um, they did lose Jacob Phillips today, but uh, they already have his replacement in middle linebacker Deion Jones. So they can overcome that. Uh, and now they've got Miles and Jadavian back. And I'll tell you what, when those guys are feeling good, and even one extra day should help those guys too. Um, you know, when those guys are on the football field, you know, anything can happen. And there are good defensive backs on this team. I, I still really believe that, you know, Greg is good. MJ's good. These guys, Grant, I mean, they, you know, they haven't played up their, to their potential yet, but, you know, we've seen them actually play the Bengals pretty well. So um, I'm very interested to see sort of which team shows up for this game or which, you know, which defense shows up for this game. But I thought the lights came on on defense a little bit in this past game in Baltimore. I mean, they held Mark Andrews to no catches. They really sort of minimized the damage that Lamar Jackson can do. And I think they kind of found their way a little bit. Yeah. And Joe Burrow doesn't exactly get rid of the ball quickly all the time. He'll hold the yeah. ball and, you know, he gets sacked a lot, but, uh, you know, a fair amount of those are his fault because he'll hold the football because he wants to attack down the field. And when you do that too much against Miles and Jadavion, you start getting the strip sacks, you start getting some of the turnovers. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can make Joe look human. So that, that'll be an interesting matchup on, on Monday night for sure. Now, kind of continuing down the Deshaun Watson road, Sarah in Solon, Ohio, says, hey, Mary Kay, in my attempt to look on the bright side, am I wrong to think the Browns would have the same record or worse if they had stuck with Baker Mayfield? And is the bright side that they did go out and sign a top quarterback? Other than the Patriots game, all the losses were by one to three points. Maybe having that elite quarterback is how you end up with a win in those games. Well, you know, I, I do think that that is going to make a huge difference. I really do. I mean, in a number of those games, in the first three losses that they had, um, Jacoby Brissett had thrown an interception uh, in the final three minutes of the game with the chance to either tie or win the football game on a field goal. So I do think that, you know, there are two, three, four more plays that perhaps an elite quarterback would have made in those games and that the record would be different. So I think people can, um, you know, look forward to really, really good quarterback play. Um, of course that brings with it a whole other set of issues, but just from a pure football standpoint, uh, I, I do think that it will make a big difference in, you know, in winning games and closing out games and finishing. Yeah. And, so I think that's one of the balances that is is tough to strike here. And we talked a little bit about this on the post-game pod last night, that it is true that this thing will run better with Deshaun Watson. But it also shouldn't be a reason to make excuses for kind of where this team is right now. Because there are teams that are winning and winning kind of a lot with subpar quarterback. I mean, the Ravens yesterday won with subpar quarterback play. They basically took the ball out of Lamar's hands. And I saw a quote from John Harbaugh that basically he had to tell Lamar Jackson, like, don't think you didn't help win this game. Something like that. You know, you, you had to kind of go to him and say, like, you played a big role in this win. Um, you know, we were talking about the Jets before we came on. They're five and two 
with Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. The Giants are six and one with Daniel Jones. Um, it's, I think it's fair to say, yes, things will be better when Deshaun comes back. But I also think we've got to be careful to make sure we're not making it using that as like the overarching excuse for where this team is at right now. Yeah, I mean, they should have at least one more victory right now. They should. Um, but having said that, and this was something else that you and I talked about uh, very briefly before we popped on here. And that's the fact that, you know, we're talking about these late calls and how, you know, they went against the Browns and uh, it kind of wrecked the game for them in the end. Um, but, you know, I went to Matt Rule's post-game press conference in Carolina, and they were really, really upset about a couple of calls that went against them on the Browns' final drive, on their game-winning drive, uh, which ended in a 58-yard kick by Cade York. And they were upset about a roughing the passer call on that drive. And they were also upset about a spike flag that was initially thrown but then picked up. And if it had remained on the ground and that had been a five-yard penalty, uh, the Browns would have, Cade York would have had to have attempted uh, a 60-yard field goal with, um, or maybe even more, the 68-yard field goal. Yeah, 68-yard field goal, and he would have had three seconds <laughs> to pull it off. So that wasn't going to happen. So that evened out right there. Um, but I, I still feel like this team is one victory better than what it shows in the win column right now. They should have three victories. They they should not have blown double digit leads against the Jets and against uh, the Chargers. You know, they shouldn't have gone down to Atlanta and allowed them to run all over them. So I do think that, um, you know, that that they should be three and four right now instead of two and five. And that would make a huge difference. Okay. Another Deshaun question, Gary from Valencia, California. Hey, Mary Kay, are we putting too many eggs in the Deshaun Watson basket when it comes to this team, fixing their issues? They lack unity and are not performing to how they looked on paper. And Gary is skeptical that Watson will have the impact everyone is expecting. You know, it's the big, question mark and nobody <laughs> right I mean nobody really knows the answer because Deshaun by then will have not played for like 700 days or something like that it's it's going to be insane how long it's been since he's played a football game but I mean he certainly looked like his old self throughout training camp every day when we watched him uh, practice the game of football he certainly didn't look like he had lost a step his arm talent looked exactly the same as what we recall seeing him do in his first few years in the NFL when he was this elite quarterback. And uh, so I, you know, I'm going to say, no, I, I don't think there are too many eggs in the Deshaun Watson basket. What we all could be doing is, you know, expecting too much from him in the final six games, or at least in the first three of those games or the first couple of those games. Now the first one is in Houston. They shouldn't have any trouble beating Houston. Uh, but there are some tough games on that slate, including three division games. So, uh, you know, to expect that it's, you know, he's just going to waltz in here and go six and oh, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. But um, but I do think it's fine to put a ton of eggs in that basket. I wonder, too, if that Houston game is going to be tougher than maybe what we all think. 
I, I, I don't know what the environment's going to be like there. I don't know if it's going to be like, welcome back. Or if it's going to be like angry and hostile. And I mean, that's the other part of this. We were all at that preseason game in Jacksonville. Like it was a hostile environment at a preseason game. And so, and, and we've talked about the emotional aspect of this game too, where, you know, th- those Texans players and, you know, Lovey Smith and the, those guys are going to use this, like Deshaun's coming back. Let's, let's get them early. You know, let's, let's try and go up early and, and see if we can hang on. The Browns should win that game, but even that game is like, it's, it's just going to be weird. It's just a weird game because of all the circumstances around it. Yeah, it, it's going to be a weird game. You're right about that. And now the Browns have lost David Njoku for a period of time. He should be back by then, by December 4th. I would think he'll be back by then, but you never really know. And, you know, Wyatt Teller, he's out for a while. He should be back by then, too. But you just don't know what the landscape is going to be when Deshaun comes back for either team or for any of these teams. Um, but um, certainly I think that's a game that he should win. I mean, the Browns are much better than the Texans, um, but you're right. There's going to be a lot of emotion. I mean, there was plenty of stuff going on, as you mentioned in Jacksonville, and they've never had a dog in the race. I mean, they never had Deshaun as their guy. This He's returning to the scene of all of his accusations. I mean, it's going to have to be emotional for him. It's going to, they're going to have to, uh, you know, like you said, use that and try to get in his head a little bit. And I would think that there will be maybe protests and signs and other things. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty big deal. But, you know, if he's mentally tough enough, he should be able to block all of that out and go down there and channel and focus all of that energy and all of that emotion into going out and playing some good football. That's what the Browns are hoping will happen. Right. And to top it all off, he hasn't played a real game in almost two years at that point. Right. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a crazy week. I, I mean, I was just thinking like there is a scenario where, you know, those final six games are almost preparation for next year, which which almost makes them, you know, that's sort of a miserable way to think about it. But at least it makes those games kind of interesting, too. Like if, if this team does kind of, you know, if they lose to Cincinnati and it, it kind of falls apart before he gets back those six games sort of become an extended preseason in a way which sort of makes them interesting yeah that that is true I guess but I, <laughs> I but I can't I can't help but feeling I can't help but feeling that there is still gonna be a pulse when he gets back and even if the Browns only win one more game between now and then which you know, maybe, maybe not. We'll, we'll we'll have to see what happens there. But even if that's the case, uh, I, I still think that there's going to be something to play for at least up to a point. I At this point, I don't think he's going to come back on December 4th and all is lost already at that point. Again, I could be wrong. But even if they win one more game and they have three wins to hand over to him, and they're thinking six victories with him. Nine could get you something. Nine could possibly get you something. So, you know, I think everyone, you know, needs to kind of just maybe not completely write them off yet and see where this goes. 
Okay, we're going to switch gears um, on the other side here and talk a little bit of trade deadline uh, and some other non-Deshaun Watson things after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, Okay, let's kind of transition into some trade deadline stuff. We are uh, about a week away here from the deadline. So Mike Chester... Or Mike from Chester, Maryland. Mike, you got to help me out here. Next time you send a question, clarify this for me. Uh, Mike from Chester, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns lose to Cincinnati on Monday, do you think it's time to plan for next year by trying to acquire additional draft capital? You know, I don't think it would be a, a bad idea at all. And they can do that win or lose, because I do think there are some guys that they could possibly spare. And there are some teams that are having some significant injuries right now. And the Browns obviously have a surplus at a few spots. Running back is one of those spots. So if someone comes calling for Kareem Hunt, or if someone comes calling for Dearness Johnson, then uh, by all means, they should seriously think about trading uh, you know, one of those guys and and picking up some draft capital. I mean, they are, uh, you know, very thin in the uh, draft pick department over the next three years, and they can use all of the help that they can get. And this team prides itself on picking good players in the fifth round and in the sometimes in the sixth round. Um, so, and even in the seventh round. So I, I do think that they should pick up any kind of draft capital that they possibly can and um and and do whatever they can to plan for the future okay so let's have the kareem hunt discussion here okay (laughs) um so obviously kareem is not playing a ton right now they aren't maybe maximizing his ability uh right now is is he kind of the guy that you would look at and say if they are going to trade someone because i don't know that a fire sale is the way to go because i you know you're we just spent the whole first 20 minutes of the pod talking about Deshaun Watson and you know, you're hoping whatever happens this season, Watson's going to come back and you're going to start winning and winning big, even if it's not until next year. So I don't think a fire sale is the way to go, but a guy like Kareem Hunt seems he's that luxury item. He wants a contract extension. You know, maybe there's a team that needs a running back out there. Is, Is that kind of the name people should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think so. I think so in part because we know that Kareem asked to be traded uh, during training camp. He asked to be traded before the season. And I would think that with the amount of touches that he has received over the last two games and with the production that he's been able to have, that he would relish the opportunity to go somewhere and be someone's workhorse back uh, to get as many touches as he possibly can uh, to, to set himself up for his future. I mean, if he languishes with uh, so few touches of the football here, you know, it's going to be hard to remind people, Hey, you know what? I was once uh, the NFL rushing leader when I was with Kansas city. Right. So I do think that he is someone uh, that we should all be thinking about. I would think that he at least uh, would welcome a move. Now, 
will the Browns be willing to do it? I don't know about that. They were not willing to do it. They absolutely told him no when he asked before training camp. But maybe things have changed since then. So I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. What do you think the potential return? I mean, we talked about a little during training camp, I think. But right now, what would you think a potential return for Hunt would be is, I mean, could you see a a fourth that could turn into a third? Is that maybe the the max you could get? Well, the only reason why I think that might be kind of high right now is because of the fact that his contract is up after this season. So you're really looking at a 10 game rental and you don't want to give up that high of a pick unless you're pretty confident uh, that you can extend his contract. Now, if you think that you can do that, then I think it would make sense for a team to do that. If you just need him for 10 games, then I think that that gets a little bit difficult. So there, you know, there's money that comes into play here. Um, but I, w- I would think it would be more like a fifth that you would, you know, that you would hope could improve to a fourth. But those are still, I mean, you were saying uh, those are still valuable picks and, you know, mm-hmm. whether you pick a player or, you know, you could also use those picks to move around in the draft. You know, if you've yes. got an extra, if you got an extra fifth, to toss into a trade, maybe that sweetens the pot to get you another second round pick or something down the road. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, they gave up a lot of picks uh, to get Deshaun Watson. They don't have any first rounders, you know, for the next two years after this. And um, and they need all of the swings at the plate that they can get. And again, when you look at this football team, you know, they came up with even guys that we saw on the field yesterday in later rounds. Donovan Peoples-Jones, a terrific find in the sixth round. Uh, you know, Jerome Ford, later round pick. Isaiah Thomas, late round pick. Michael Woods, sixth round pick. We haven't seen him do a whole lot yet, uh, but I think they're hoping that he can be sort of like a, you know, maybe not quite Donovan Peoples-Jones, but something along those lines where, uh, you know, like he turns into a big contributor for them. So, yeah, I think they, I think they should consider it, especially if you think you can get uh, the running game accomplished with what you have on the team right now. So let's look at the other side of this. Uh, Paxton Styles from Chevrolet, Maryland says, Hey, Mary Kay, who should the Browns go after before the trade deadline? And I guess I'll just add to this. Should they be looking to add and what type of player, if they were looking to add at the trade deadline, what type of player do you think would, would sort of intrigue them? Well, this is an easy one for me because I've been saying this since before the season began. I would be out there uh, looking for that veteran receiver, that veteran presence that you can bring in here uh, to pair with the top two receivers that you already have right now in Amari and in Donovan Peoples-Jones. You have just lost your, your, He's t- David Njoku is tied with Amari Cooper with 34 receptions right now. And he's second in receiving yards with 418 only to Amari Cooper. So you just left lost your second leading receiver right now. Um, and they don't know how long it's going to be. It could be up to five weeks without David Njoku. So I will be out right now looking for, they might even have to look for another tight end right now. They, they're down too. 
uh, with Pharaoh Brown and the concussion protocol. But I would for sure be uh, I would be talking to the Jets about about a guy like Elijah Moore. He asked to be traded and they said that they will not trade him. And the Browns said that they will not trade Kareem Hunt. So let's take the two players that you will not trade and trade them. There you go. Each other, right. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But that that's the kind of player that I would be looking for. I mean, the the Panthers have said they're not interested in trading DJ Moore either. And he just had a really nice game with PJ Walker, um, who is playing quarterback for them right now. And I said before, with the way PJ Walker is playing, if he had started against the Browns, then you know, there's a chance the Browns could have one victory right now. But um which that now that would be bad, but, um, but that's what I would be doing. I would be looking for a receiver and then, you know what, it cannot hurt to try to find another linebacker. Now that Jacob Phillips is out for the season, they could use another linebacker. They're lucky. Sione Taki Taki has really stepped up and he's having a nice season. And we heard great praise from linebackers coach, Jason Tarver about Sione Taki Taki. And he's doing a really, really nice job. Now you've got Deion Jones in there, so he can step in for Jacob Phillips. But I still think with Anthony Walker out for the season, with Jacob Phillips out for the season, that was your number one middle linebacker, your number two middle linebacker. Um, I still think that they could use another good, solid body at that position. Okay, a couple of play calling questions. Uh, This one comes from Dan from D.C., who calls himself a frustrated Browns fan. Hey, Mary Kay, is it possible Kevin Stefanski is calling games the way Paul DePodesta and Andrew Barry want him to call games? Well, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think he embraces the analytics side of the game. And I think that's one of the reasons why they wanted him as their head coach, because they knew that they could sit down with him and that they could they could incorporate all of the analytics into the play calling. And I think it's a big part of it. I really do. But it's not like Kevin hates it. You know, he's he's super smart, super intelligent, and he um, he embraces that sort of thing. But you also have to have a feel for the game and you also have to be able to make adjustments that might not be on your card based on who's got the hot hand, based on the matchups, based on, you know, what the opposing coach has adjusted to what you're doing. I mean, you have to do some things uh, that go off script that go off the card uh, if you really want to be an excellent coach and an excellent play caller. And so I think that as he moves along and grows in this role as a play caller, he'll probably do more of that. But I think there's plenty of analytics on that card. Yeah, the the baseball analogies are always a little low-hanging fruit with Paul DePodesta, but I make them anyway. Like in baseball, the way it's become in a lot of places is the manager is just sort of there and he, he sort of does what the front office wants. It's not the way it is in Cleveland, but um, I don't think you could ever have that in football, but you can certainly have, I mean, like you said, Kevin can sit down with Paul and Andrew and they can go through like, Hey, you know, throwing the ball in first down is more efficient than running or whatever, the, you know, things like that kind of setting up some, some signposts, I guess, for, for Kevin to follow. But, This is the scheme Kevin brought from Minnesota. This is his, I mean, his stamp is on what they're doing. Absolutely. 100%. It is, Uh, you know, this is what we we've known him to be. Um, But 
I, you know, I will say, and I've said this so many times before, I don't paint him into a corner. I believe that he's a growth mindset coach. I believe that he's open to all kinds of suggestions and new ways of doing things. I think we will see that when Deshaun Watson gets on the field and there are no limitations for Deshaun and you can call basically anything. Um, and look, I mean, they, they've got things in the game plan uh, for, for Jacoby to utilize his legs, which are so much better than I anticipated they would be. And he is, he is, he's hard. He was sacked five times yesterday, but he's still a tough sack. I think, I mean, he, he got out of a number of them too. Um, but I think Kevin has it in him. I think he'll continue to grow as a play caller. And, uh, you know, I think he still sometimes needs to have a real good feel for the game and, you know, jump out of the, you know, whatever game plan he had and not be afraid to stray and veer from that. I mean, there's times when, you know, more run is called for, like, like I thought there was last week, um, you know, when there was that large disparity against the Patriots between the run and the pass. I mean, with, with Nick Chubb, a long Nick Chubb run is as good as a intermediate pass. So, um, you know, just because you're getting stopped a bunch of times for two and a half yards, doesn't mean you shouldn't keep at it. But for the most part, um, I think he's fine with this play calling. I don't have a huge problem with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's one of those things we always come back to when they lose and um, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> another baseball analogy. It's just one of those things that's easy to second guess, right? It's just mm-hmm. one of those football things that is super easy to, to second guess as we go along. And um, that mm-hmm. it is what it is. I think he's been fine, not perfect. And there's certainly been times where it's like, yeah, maybe you should run the ball more. Or maybe this goal line series wasn't great, but um, it, it, it happens. It's football. I mean, Andy Reid has bad stretches calling plays. Sometimes Patrick Mahomes make them, makes them look like great stretches calling plays. So that's, that's sort of how the game works. Another play calling question. This comes from Manuel in Palm Bay, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay, I know there are a lot of questions around offensive play calling and they may be justified, but I wonder how much Stefanski's play calling is actually being dictated by defensive failures. A stout defense means less playing from behind, allowing the Browns to stay with their run game, taking the ball out of Jacoby's hands so that he can't so that he won't turn it over as much as he has. Well, I'll tell you what they're not getting, and that is a short field from either their defense or their special teams. In the game of field position, which is so vitally important, uh, they're they're not getting a ton of help in that regard. I mean, on two occasions yesterday, the Ravens started at like the Browns 21 and the Browns 25. The Browns don't get a chance to play on a short field very often because their special teams have not been good. Part of that is because their returner, Jakeem Grant, tore his Achilles before the season, and they really haven't really quite recovered from that yet. Um, but, and then the takeaways, I mean, they're just really not getting the takeaways. They got a crucial one yesterday that was so vitally important. They still ended up losing the turnover battle, which again, it doesn't help matters because they are zero and five when they don't win the turnover battle this season. And they didn't win it yesterday. In fact, they lost it. Um, but I do think that it would be a lot easier to call plays if you were starting on your 40 every once in a while or your 45 
And that that's kind of rare for them. Yeah. So yesterday, just for example, their average starting position was the 22, their own 22. And they started one drive um, past their 25. And that was a drive. That was the it was a punt in the third quarter, their first possession. They started at their own 40. And that was the one that ended in the strip sack. Everything else was at the 25 or in two drives Mm -hmm. started at the 12. One started at the 16. It's really difficult to do when you're you're starting drives in bad spots like that. Yeah, I mean, even last year, there were times where, uh, you know, the defensive takeaways came in bunches and you at least had an opportunity to, um, you know, to start sometimes in your opponent's territory. And I think that was one of the things that actually made Baker seem better than he was. I mean, they, they were actually getting some takeaways for him. They haven't gotten them for Jacoby. I mean, they just really haven't gotten, gotten them. And so that's one area in which I think this defense can improve tremendously in the final 10 games. I I think the defense started off so poorly that it can only get better. And I actually think that it will. Well, here's a field position question. Speaking Mm -hmm. of field position from Don Shaughnessy and Ashtabula. Hey, Mary Kay, I'm sure there's analytics on this, but I don't see the wisdom on returning kickoffs unless it's at Unless it's at least to the 25, too many factors involve penalties. As far as penalties go, it has to be a better option just taking the ball at the 25. I actually think this is an interesting question because there was a moment Sunday when Dearness Johnson let a ball bounce in the end zone for a touchback. And, and he kind of looked like he was disappointed in himself. And I kind of kept an eye as he walked to the sideline and Mike Prefer stopped him and talked to him. And then like two kickoff returns later, it was sort of in the same spot and he fielded it and it ended up not being a very good return. But I think, I mean, look, Mike Prefer's been here for however many years now. I think we know two things. For the most part, they want to kick and cover and they also are going to try to return kicks. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Now, it would help if they had better returners and that's just been a challenge all season long. I mean, they, they are burning through punt returners, right? I mean, it's just really been uh, very, very difficult. In fact, you know, special teams just in general has been uh, a, a huge disappointment this season. I mean, from missed kicks, blocked kicks, kicks, muffed punts, long returns, uh, onside kicks, not recovered. Right. I mean, you name it, it seems like one thing after another. I mean, I, I really wonder what it would be like if they could have just a clean special teams game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just clean. I mean, and that, well, only... and they gave up that huge return yesterday. Exactly. I mean, you're only out there, the kicking teams are out there for how many, how many snaps a game? Probably what, 20? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like a huge number, but it's enough to to make a difference. Yeah, it's enough to make a difference. Um, and it just seems like they should be able to get through those plays without an enormous mistake every week or two enormous mistakes every single week. But the return game certainly has been a disappointment and, and something that, once again, they'll go back to the drawing board and address it in the offseason like they did this past offseason. 
Okay, so we spent the whole podcast talking about issues and Deshaun Watson and all that. So let's wrap up with this one from Jim Buddy in Pittsburgh. Hey, Mary Kay, is the real problem that the talent, especially at the top of the draft, just hasn't been that good? He points to Wills. uh, He points to Denzel Ward, who he says is talented but has been hurt. uh, And then he points out Delpit. Uh, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom. I actually think Greg Newsom has been fine. We we talked about Taki Taki too. I think it's been good. But the bigger point here from Jim is the talent, especially at the top of the draft and how it's performed. Well, they need a bunch of those guys to step up. Part of the problem this season, and I've been writing this a little bit and talking about this a little bit, is the fact that they had really high hopes for some of their young defenders. And those young defenders haven't really stepped up and lived up to their potential yet. We expected great things from Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, and we started to see that yesterday. We we ex, we were told uh, that Grant Delpit was going to have a breakout season. Same thing with Jordan Elliott and uh, and even Jacob Phillips to a certain extent. And it just hasn't come to fruition yet, but I still think the defense is going to surprise people in the second half of the season. I really do. I think that they're going to put it together. They're mad enough at themselves. We heard them screaming through the door yesterday. Um, And there's just enough talent. There's enough talent there that I do think that we're going to see some much better play from some of these young guys. So I think the jury is still out and I think it's an excellent question. Um, And you're right. Some of these guys absolutely need to step up and live up to their lofty draft status but I think it's still possible in a number of cases. Yeah. And you know, this is their opportunity. And the reality is if they don't step up, the Browns are going into next year with high expectations and a lot of money to spend. And I would imagine they, especially if this season kind of continues to, to swirl downward, uh, that they're not going to be willing to sit on a bunch of cap space just to give a bunch of young guys more opportunities. Right. Absolutely. I mean, these guys have to prove themselves because some of them are at the point in their careers where they really need to do that. I mean, it's time to to show what you have. And then there's also the financial considerations. You know, who are you going to extend? Who are you not going to extend? And those kinds of things. But um, I think there's enough good young talent on the team that hasn't really shown out yet this season. And in some cases, I think those players can only get better from what we've seen so far. And I think they will. Okay. There we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. All those questions from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get that, uh, to get involved with that, get that newsletter, become one of our tech subscribers and get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. We've got some stuff coming your way this week on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's going to be a little bit different this week. Our Bengals writers are going to be hopping on for a couple days uh, to help us put together kind of a project we've been working on. So that's starting on Wednesday. Uh, and then we'll do our normal preview. We'll do another Hey MK next Monday leading into the Bengals game. So just make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.